the problem you're trying to solve is not productivity in your traditional measure, it's productivity in the new age. And if that's the mm. case, the solution for that is multifaceted. And yeah. that's kind of why we've, we've gone into all sorts of different directions. Hello friends and welcome to the show. In this episode, Arnie and I take a meandering walk through the productivity paradigm. It's a paradigm because of the entrenched nature of the way we think about our approach to getting work done in contact centres. Like a good stroll, we take some twists and turns, but we keep coming back to a few central principles, trust, shared accountability, value creation, and focusing on the systems that generate the work. By thinking and working in this way, you change the goal from getting through the work or the calls or the emails to how do you help your people perform the work better and ultimately help the organization reduce the amount of work needing to be done. Paradigms like productivity can serve us well, but inevitably paradigms must change so that we can adapt to make work better. We hope this provides not only food for thought, but some ways for you to reframe what getting the work done means in your contact center. Enjoy the show. And we're live. Hello, Arnie. Welcome hey, to the sure. show. Thank you. Thank you. How it's are you, my friend? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what has been going on? Um, well, since we last spoke, Sean, just, and, and, and I, I will try to keep this short, but basically in, in my household with myself and my wife, I, it, it was, uh, Arnie week last week. And, ah. and, um, for anyone who watches MasterChef, they know that there's usually some sort of theme for the week, like every time they have the competition. So they've had, you know, twist week last week and they had Heston week in the past. Uh, okay. so in our household, it was Arnie week, which was, well, initially the idea was that I could come up with, with foods for my wife to cook for me. Um, she didn't like that idea. Uh, so we changed that up to, I would cook for the week, which is that sounds like a pretty big flip on the main. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, yeah, it didn't quite work out the way I, I was hoping. But so I ended up cooking for the week. Um, mm. Normally, you know, we have a good system where Mel cooks and I'll do all the washing up. So it's a fair and equitable system, I think. Uh, mm. But I, uh, I decided to take on the challenge of cooking at home and I've realized how difficult it actually is. So I have a lot of uh, respect for, for my wife uh, in, in the way she, she cooks at home. Um, but the food turned out all right as well. So I was, I was pleasantly surprised at my ability to cook. Well, that's, that's really good. I, I don't know how your wife managed to pull that off, but to flip it from her cooking to you cooking, is, <laughs> that's pretty good. I like it. I like yeah, I put, put my, put my, put my foot in my mouth, um, with that one. Uh, what about you, Sean? What's happening for you? What's happening? Anything event? No, nothing really that eventful's happened uh, since we last spoke. Um, normally, we have a bit more time between podcasts, so I've got a you know a bit more time for, for for more exciting and interesting things to happen. But probably just planning some some outings to see friends. I've got got a couple of things in the diary now, which is kind of cool. There's some friends coming over this weekend, and then the following weekend going out. So yeah, it's nice to be able to just make plans. It's cool. 
you're, you're a social animal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I tell you, I'm, I, do, I do like to, uh, to be a bit of a hermit every now and then, but yeah, this is, this is just getting a little bit too, uh, yeah, it's taking a little bit too long. So yeah, it'd be good to, good to get out and about. Nice. Mm. All right. Shall we dive in to this, the next exciting topic in our, in our series? Let's get into this it. This one. We want to tackle. We want to tackle the big, the big P word, productivity. And uh, it, this is an interesting one. And when I was thinking about this, because I was kind of thinking, well, people are tuning in, wanting to think about, okay, productivity. We're gonna, we, we're gonna, kind of get some sort of magical, you know, it's gonna be like a clickbaity thing. Click this, get the word of productivity unveiled and solved, and. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, there's, there's no magic. There's no magic. Um, yeah, there's, there's no magic wand, if you like, to this. It's, it, uh, it does require a little bit of hard work, but once you get the right things in place, it just it, it will start to flow. So um, I suppose we should just... Uh, turning off now. They're just turning off all yeah. the podcasts are switching over to something else. <laughs> don't, I really don't messed leave, them up. Don't leave. <laughs> the many times we've, sp- we've spoken about, got to make sure the, the start of it's punchy and engaging and it hooks people in so they keep listening. And yeah, I've just done the opposite there. So uh, <laughs> look, <laughs> hang in there, listeners. It's not, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, we are going to give you some, what we think are, you know, if, if there is a secret source, we're going we're gonna to tell you what it is, but it's not something that you can just click your fingers and it just magically happens overnight. So let, let's dive in and, um, you know, let's, let's talk about a bit a bit about what, what it is and, and I'll I thought we could just start off kind of giving our views on our world views on it Arnie and what the that paradigm of productivity really means to us and I in thinking about this and I suppose over the last the last four or five years for me it's become it's really been very clear f- for me that if you, to focus on productivity really isn't to focus on productivity at all and I know that sounds really unhelpful but Really, when you think about what are you trying to achieve in your contact center, what, what are you trying to achieve? You're, tr- you're trying to achieve great outcomes for customers. And yes, there is a, a volume-related aspect to it that when, when customers call, uh, you, know, you need to have enough people there to be able to, to answer those calls. But my, my view of that is that it is not the responsibility and, and you can't individualize that responsibility to, to people um, in order to kind of impose an expectation on that if they work faster, um, that that will, that will somehow solve um, that, that equation. Um, I think that over the, over the last 100 years, you know, when, when the Industrial Revolution happened and we created these factories, they were created in a way that, um, that really focused on mechanisation and the lowest common denominator in, in pumping out, you know, the goods that they were making. And it didn't really rely on the person having to really focus on their own productivity. Everything was mechanized. Everything was broken down into units that could be very closely controlled. And so, you know, machines are put in, better machines are put in, that technology um, improved. And so more and more machines are doing the work. And sort of we, we create this paradigm of productivity um, because people were associated with, you know, with, with, producing this work but really the thing that made 
that whole system more productive was really the you know the, the mechanization of it and i think unfortunately we've all grown up in this environment and so we look at we look at people as almost like machines that can be you know you can turn the volume up on the side of them and they can you know they'll they'll work faster but um i think i think that logic has gotten a bit fuzzy as it's come down through the the, the generations and i think um really the 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 focus shouldn't be productivity it should be really on how do you get great outcomes that deliver value and yes making sure that you can get through the amount of volume um that you need to in your contact center is important but that that is an environment that is the responsibility of leaders i believe that should be looking for the better better technology or better systems and better processes to allow their people to do their best work so they can focus on doing value rather than just trying to focus on you know doing doing that call faster which um which is everybody knows uh ends in tears so yeah so that's that's what i've been thinking about arnie how about you yeah i mean the, the thing for me when thinking about this is is productivity is is, a, is, a, is all about actually value creation and as you mentioned before value creation came in the shape of physical goods in this i guess the they call it the fourth um in fourth revolution is that what they call it fourth industrial revolution um mm -hmm. it's all about technology and technology as we know is not necessarily physical work it's actually knowledge work and and so if we start thinking about productivity as being creating more knowledge as value or more value that comes from knowledge work then it's all about how do you create the conditions to allow for better knowledge work in your in your environment um so that's 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 been on my mind and and i think what we're going to talk about today so before all of our listeners leave you're thinking man you, where's my where's where's this magical wand um <laughs> even though some of this stuff isn't going to necessarily be what you think i think what we're going to talk about is, are going to be some simple things that you can do to allow for mm. knowledge work to allow for value creation and start yeah. looking from that lens uh mm. then then you start solving the problem of productivity Hello, a brief interruption to normal programming to bring you an important message. The aim of this podcast is to deliver value to as many contact centers and operations teams as we can. And to do this, we need your help. A rating from you will help get us up the charts, which means more people can find us. No need to write a review, of course, unless you want to. Just a couple of clicks and you're done. So go on, do it now. Thanks so much for listening. I think productivity is like the end of the sort of like the it's almost like the symptom that we see sometimes oh it's we're not getting through all the calls or calls are taking longer or insert whatever it might be in your particular environment in your contact center but it's the it's the symptom we see we don't we, we if we look for the root cause and deal with that then we deal with the symptom and so productivity stops becoming the issue so um yeah, we'll, we'll unpack that a bit more, but yeah, I think that that over-reliance and over-focus over on 
how quickly, how efficiently we do things rather than paying attention to that output, that knowledge, that value creation that you talk about is where I think where we want to go with this, this, this episode today, which is really exciting for me because it's, I think it's that the more we can, uh, I suppose, give people that another, another way to look at it. Um, yeah. The more, more hopefully we can start to yeah get people to think in a different way and start to try some different things. Yeah. I, I, and I just want to, clarify as well um because i sort of threw out the word like throughout knowledge work um and just sort of made the assumption that everyone's very clear on what that is um yeah. but but knowledge work is is work that that requires problem solving like decision making analysis um yeah. strategy planning and and if you start thinking about in your customer experience teams the requirement for that has never been greater than than now mm than ever before, right? And, and so that's why there is this huge need of knowledge workers. You, you know, people can't just follow a process anymore and just roll through and get things done. It, it just doesn't work like that because the world is getting more complex. Your, your organizations are creating newer products, enhancements of products, more complex products, which means your customer experience teams are gonna feel that. Um, and they're not going to be able to just, you know, <laughs> do things at a, at a push of a button. It's, it's not as straightforward as that. And, yeah. and you know what people I think are happy to start doing that. People want to be doing more uh, knowledge work. That's, that's where they're heading towards. That's what they're seeing. Um, so that's, that's one thing I want to talk about. And, and when you sort of got to talk about um, some of like, that sort of view of um, individuals, that sort of Taylor's view, it just got me thinking about the word. It's a bit of a pet peeve, and I'm always guilty of it as well, but um, I, I really dislike it when people talk about resources and talk mm, they, they, we don't have enough resources, and, yeah. and they're not widgets, they're not units, they're people, because okay. it's knowledge work. It's we don't have enough people to collaborate on this problem or to solve this problem. Um, yeah. and I, and I don't think anyone does this with any malicious intent. It's just something that we've been brought oh. up with. Like our language yeah. literally, uh, is, is, is brought up through this industrial age. And yeah, so it yeah. causes that. It's so ingrained, mindset. isn't it? So it's ingrained. So ingrained. How, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, just to log a dead horse, I think we've probably made the point <laughs> that people that work in contact centers, unfortunately they've, they've kind of always been seen as a bit like a factory, you know, this sort of yes. big groups of people doing pretty homogenous type work. Um, but really you need to flip it on its head that they're not, they're not low skilled workers. They are, they're almost the product. They're, they're an extension of your product. So when customers are interacting, no matter how, um, you know, binary or, or simple that, that interaction is, um, those people make the difference. It's how they, it's how they interact and choose to interpret and, and work with that, that customer and the decisions they make to in providing that service are just so critical. So, yeah, I think if we look at, look at them like that, then, then we'll see that um, you, you want them to be thinking, you want them to be always kind of on to how you can improve your products and services, as you were saying, um, because otherwise you're, you know, as soon as you create a new process, it's it's starting to become stale already. You know, day one out of the gate, that process is making contact with real customers and 
potentially needs to be um, tweaked and tuned. So if you're not, if you're treating your people like they're just pulling the handle on a machine, they're not going to say, hey, this process doesn't work. They're just going to keep pulling the handle and customers going to have a, a, an experience um, that's, that's suboptimal. So, yeah, so I, I, I suppose I totally agree with what you're saying, Arnie, and we probably ought to just get on, get in onto it and get, in, get on with it. <laughs> so where where would you start Arnie, with uh, unpacking this paradigm of productivity and and helping our listeners to start to think about yeah what's another way yeah i i guess so you know i guess what we're trying to talk about now is yeah how do you create more value how and how do you take away the barriers to creating value and enhance the value that's being created by your teams. So one thing, um, so one, I guess one of the first things that teams should be doing is thinking about the transparency of information. So how can you ensure that your teams, and we talked a little bit about this in our self-organizing teams in our last episode. So head over there. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, good one to listen to if you're, if you haven't, heard it yet um but it's about giving people the right information so that they can make the best decisions at the time because as we sort of talked about it's about decision making so let's say your team needs to uh understand how many calls that they need to take on or how many calls are coming into the, the uh your contact center and they need to make decisions about it. Well, they need to know how many calls there are. They need to know how many people are available to take those calls. Um, you know, they need to they, therefore make strategies around how do you prioritize your day to address that. And, and as we know, in a customer experience environment, that changes on a regular basis. Um, that's just one example. Um, there's also examples around, uh, you know, actually understanding what might be required for your team to um you know to, to to really be successful in terms of um you know broken processes what what are they what what are all the problems that our customers are facing what are the actual inquiries that that's coming through to your contact center so having um, a transparency of information is super vital in, in ensuring you make the right decisions I was also I'm just thinking as well, it's really important for you to diagnose firstly, why, why do you think you have an issue with productivity or, or why do you think you need to manage productivity? And my experience has been, it's been a reaction to something else. So we're getting too many calls and we're not getting through them. And there's too much variation between calls that you number of calls you're taking, the number of calls I'm taking. And again, I'm just probably going to use this example a fair bit, but I mean, different contact centers will have different different productivity measures whether it be calls or ht or, or whatever but um yeah again i think it's kind of ignores the again addresses just the symptom and not the root cause um so yeah it's very important to start with yeah just spend spend as much time as you need to, to break down that what is the issue or why do we think we need to be managing productivity um, and go through a process of, of unpacking that to get to the real reason why. And, and it could be like you're saying, the lack of information means that, or the poor information means that we're taking, it's taking people too long to source the, the answer. Hmm. I mean, it's interesting you sort of talk about, um, you know, this, this idea around, um, you know, we're not getting through enough calls and therefore the answer is, well, our people 
need to take more calls and need to handle their calls faster. Mm. But as we know, from a, if you're looking at this from a system perspective, by doing that, it creates more errors leading to more repeat calls, leading to poor customer experience, leading to less customers coming in, increased pressure across the business. You know, so there's this, this kind mm. of like domino effect by, by using that as your solution. Yeah. And this is where we talk a lot about um, customer demand or failure demand, right? Where if we, instead of looking at, well, we've got all these calls that we can't handle, let's make our people take more calls. What about the flip side of how do we remove calls? Yep, absolutely. Right. So, yeah, having, having and, and, you know, maybe we won't go through too, too much detail about customer demand, but, you know, having an idea of what, what other calls that could be avoidable that your customers don't yeah. want to make and, yeah. and putting more emphasis around that as a, as a business. And it's really hard. I, I can understand for a lot of customer experience teams, I've been there, you know, the perspective from the rest of the organization is you guys need to just take calls mm. and make sure that you meet the service levels that we've, you know, we've, we've agreed on, yeah. but it's hard to sometimes tell the story. So tell the story to the rest of the organization and say, well, we'd be able to do that and we wouldn't have to hire so many people if we can start addressing some of these problems. What are the problems? Yeah. Well, here they are. And here's how many calls that that's actually creating for our business. Yeah. yeah. And so I think just kind of going back again and again, what is the root cause? What is driving it? And we do have a, an episode on failure demand. So go and check that out. Um, but it's, it's a crutch to lean on. I think productivity, you know, if you're in, if you're in the weeds and you're not getting through the calls or whatever it might be, and then you say, oh, okay, we'll, we'll put a productivity measure in and sort of everyone thinks, oh, okay, all right, cool. We, we can rely on that. At least we've got that. It's tried and true. Everyone, everyone can relate to that as a, you know, as a tactic potentially to, to try and solve the problem. But um, in my experience anyway, it, it may work for a short period of time, but ultimately it, um, I've seen many times it actually creates a perverse incentive where people actually start doing the wrong things in order to try and make that number look better. And you actually don't, uh, you don't, you don't provide any greater value to customers. So, you know, and, and I can't blame people from doing it, like from, from going straight to productivity yeah. as, as a solution, because it feels like you can control it. Mm. Right. You, it, it gives you the illusion that you have control and that yeah. all you need to do is put this measure in place and that will solve it. Yes. Yeah. It will solve that problem of taking not enough calls potentially, but yes, the downstream impacts of behavioral mm. issues and um, you know, as we sort of talk about the system wide issues from doing that mm. um, is, mm. is great. So that's why, and we've talked about, we've spoken about this before, but bravely, this is what we mean by brave leadership to have the bravery to say, actually, I know I can't control this element around productivity because that's not going to create the best outcome for customers. Actually, I'm going to trust that my people are taking calls and we'll talk about feedback loops in, wow. uh, in a moment, but, um, but trusting our people to do the right thing and start addressing the demand yeah. from customers. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say on that, like productivity has a place, but, but rely on, on like systemic things like technology to make your processes more productive and rather than trying to make your people more productive. So give, give your people tools or automate processes or, 
yeah, make the the number of steps required and the way that they're they're performed easier for people and focus on the process as the thing you're trying to make more productive, not the not the person. Um, okay, so where to from here then, Arnie? Should we talk a bit about purpose? Yes, I think that's a good one. Yeah. So I might talk a little bit about that. So there's two two parts to that for me, and, and we have talked about purpose a little bit before. So I won't go into a hell of a lot of detail, but I think there's two parts. You want to have um, a, an environment where your people are, are driven by the purpose. They're motivated by the purpose. That that motivation will give you far more productivity in inverted commas, um, or, or encourage your people to to innovate and ideate and try new things and you know make make decisions that don't conform to the box to get better outcomes than any, any measure on its own will do. Um, Cause it, you know, taps into that, that reason for being um, that gets them out of bed in the morning. So, so having teams that are purpose driven, continually linking their roles back to the purpose is key. Um, and then I'd say the other part is um, on that is purpose, uh, having leaders that, that lead with purpose as well. So don't let your purpose be a poster on the wall that, you know, that you can point to or, you know, that people see, maybe they can recite it, but they don't actually understand how that comes to life. So leaders that are really good at identifying those examples where people are bringing the purpose to life, connecting their role to it and telling those stories, making role models out of people as well. Um, and equally getting onto behaviours that are not in line with that, that are, that are out of step with, with your purpose. So it's two parts, making sure your people are, I've got a, a strong purpose, a strong connection to purpose, and that you've got leaders that are able to lead with, you know, with with purpose at sort of the forefront of how they how they go about what they do. Yeah, I I think purpose is is one where it it just makes so much sense, right? Um, especially when we talk about value creation, uh, mm -hmm. you almost you almost want to anchor back to your purpose so that you can assess whether this was actually valuable. Yeah, you know the the. And if our purpose and, and the one that we had in the customer experience team that I worked in was making a real difference to customers and our people. And, and that was, that, that was the heart and core of everything we did. So it just made it so easy to, to identify what, what was the value, which is our customers and making a real difference for them. Well, how can we go above and beyond? How can we do the right things to do that? I, I, I can't tell you how many times we've had, we had conversations around that when we had to self-correct, you know, mm. when we had to, when, when, when there were behaviors that weren't quite right, you know, mm. we held each other accountable to, well, are we living into our purpose that we've agreed on? Yeah. And that was a lot more powerful than saying you didn't follow this rule. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, so, so we've got, <clears throat> got, a, got a purpose that is, is well known. People understand how their role connects to it. We've got leaders that are leading with purpose. What about stuff like, yeah, transparency, visibility of the work that that's being done. So, talking about, yeah, the work itself. How can we use transparency and visibility of that to to help people deliver on the the right outcomes? Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with. Um, well, A, making right decisions like we spoke about before. But the, the other thing is, is about trust. Like mm. we talk about trust 
um, a lot. And it seems to be, you know, from working with a lot of clients, one of the things that they wish they had more of in their organizations and what was preventing them from, from really creating value is actually trust, Mm. you know, trust in, um, in, in that they could safely say, Hey, I'm struggling and I need more help in doing something, you know, and for the purpose of delivering better value, having trust that I can be vulnerable about where I'm struggling to make a, to solve a problem with something, you know, so that, and, and, and so many people try to hide that instead. Right. And, and that's just going to lead to poor outcomes for customers, poor outcomes internally, poor outcomes to maybe your, your, your colleague. Um, so that's where transparency comes into play, you know, being able to make better decisions, better problem solving, but also creating a culture of trust mm-hmm. in, in your, in your teams. I, I think what helps with that, that trust as well is if everyone feels like they're in it together rather than it being, um, and I'm not against competition, but rather than it being an individual, individuals competing against each other, teams competing against each other, um, competition certainly has its place. I mean, it, it can create an element of fun and excitement. Um, but I think if people have a shared sense of accountability for the, for the right things, then they're more likely to help each other out and trust each other. Um, because there's, there's no point, you know, one person in the team really struggling and well, let's say half the team struggling and half the team doing really well. Um, if we're all marching in the same direction, if we've got shared accountability for the, for the outcomes where we're far more likely to want to help each other, um, which, which for me is a far more intuitive way of teams working. I mean, that's, that's, that's why you have teams, like, you know, just have teams just so that, you know, it suits the hierarchy. So you've got, you know, a group together that can be looked over. You, you put teams together so they can learn from each other and achieve better, achieve better things together. So I think that tr- trust can be helped by creating incentives like, you know, shared KPIs for people to want to work really effectively together. Yeah. And the example, I mean, around shared KPIs, um, is, is a, is a wonderful one. Um, we're doing a lot of references to our previous podcast. Um, <laughs> so, but, but go back to it. It's, it's, I believe it's episode one, actually. It the is, one with uh, our good friend, Anand, um, from Open Universities, Australia, um, where they, they, uh, they'd been tinkering with shared KPIs and the successes they've had with that. Mm. Um, and when we talk about productivity, you know, yeah. they, they really did display that, like the results that they were, were achieving um, with the same amount of people, but the results mm. they were achieving were, were, was incredible. So, yeah, um, I think. Yeah, and that, 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 that example is a, a ripper because I, I, I didn't see it at the beginning. I believe, I believe you did. And, and I think they, yeah, they, they did have productivity measures and it just, they worked out over time it only took them a while so you know it wasn't an overnight thing either but they they realized that that the way they were measuring people wasn't actually aligned to their purpose and so they just basically flipped everything on its head and said right we we will only do things aligned with our purpose and they changed their kpi from being individual so they're a, a, largely a sales based environment to, to shared sales kpis which which is really cool and I saw something there one day that, that 
I'll I'll always remember it. It's such a great example of, of why that works and link back to what you said about trust is, you know, they had people that were stronger at certain types of sales. You know, they do some sales um, um, through chat, um, but other more complicated ones where maybe, the, you know, the student was, was needing more information in order to make a decision, they would, they would take them out of the channel that they'd come through to the team in originally and into a conversation but some people in the team were, were better at those types of interactions and sales. And in, a, in, a, in the old environment, um, if you were one of those people, you would, you'd hang on to that. Like you would want to, you'd want to close that. And the team leader would want to make sure that lead got to Arnie because Arnie knows how to, how to close those, those sales. But in, in this new environment, the, the, the outcome that they really needed was um, to make sure that the, the, the best the best person possible was talking to that that student so let's say i'm you know i'm not the best person uh, i'm not as strong in a certain area um i i'm incentivized because we have a team a team kpi to try and get help to make sure i i, I improve on that so i actually saw them in a stand-up one day talking about how they could partner with each other um to make a call to a student someone would listen in who wasn't as strong the person who was stronger would, would conduct the call but it was very purposeful it wasn't just listening in it was they had clear objectives of what they wanted to achieve so that the person who wasn't as strong could could upskill so yeah it was it was a really powerful illustration for me on um and i won't talk about productivity here but i suppose we're saying when you when you get the right outcomes when you when you get the right measures of performance and then you have people who are who have a shared accountability and incentive to work towards that. Um, you get great outcomes. The team leader didn't drive that conversation at all. It was the, the people involved. So, yeah, it was a really great example for me on having the right me measures, not just getting through the numbers. It was about how do we actually, you know, help improve the lives of people because that's what we're, we're all about here. And I think that falls, um, that almost feeds really well uh, into building capability in your team because then, you know, that, that shared KPIs actually removes that barrier for that person that you, you, that example you gave to actually improve in what they were doing. But at the same time, the person that was coaching that other person was also building capability around coaching and, and, and mm. therefore creating people around them that could add more value. And so I think it, it, is, it is crucial, um, definitely around shared KPIs, but building more capability in a team. I think that's, yeah. that's, that's clear from a product. If we're talking about productivity, but we're talking about value creation and creating more value, it's how do you build more capability in your teams? Mm -hmm. How do you remove those constraints of doing it? How do you spend more time doing it? Remove the things that aren't going to help you achieve that. Like the other thing KPIs, I, yeah, yeah, is that that I noticed there is that their their engagement as well improved massively by doing that, and I suppose it was no no surprise that people felt way more connected. They felt more connected to the, the purpose of, of the organisation. They felt more connected to the work because they got to think about how this work gets done. Am I going to do it, or am I going to co-opt in one of my friends to help me? who's the best person for this. They were more connected to the people that they were serving because they were actually had their best interests at heart. Um, and yeah, no surprise. They, they had a, you know, a huge improvement in engagement. So 
Whereas again, coming back to productivity, if you're solely focused on pumping out widgets, you are going to, I suppose, alienate people from, from their work. They're not actually involved in thinking about the best way to get this done and the person they're interacting with. It's just about, it is about a very small part of, um, I suppose, the overall value that's being created. And the more people are alienated from the work, the more they're, the more disengaged they are. Um, so, yeah. And I just want to, uh, like, I mean, th- this is really interesting. I, for, for our listeners, it, it seems, I might feel like we're, we're just adding layers upon layers, but I mean, that's the reality. Like it is a, it is, is a system issue you're dealing with. There's so many facets around this, this issue around productivity. It's not a, you can't use a silver bullet. There's so many facets yeah. behind it. But one, one thing I just want to dovetail into is, is this point around engagement and how engagement is going to lead to your staff retention. It's going to lead to your a talent uh, attraction as well. And, yeah. and those things, I think more than ever before, are, are more important to your customer experience teams, to your organizations than ever before because of this concept around knowledge work. Knowledge work is the value now. It's people who know your processes, who understand your business. They're, that's the value that you're, you're losing if you're losing out on your staff from disengaged staff or disengaged organization. Your whole organization misses out. So yeah. I, I just want to talk, yeah, just, just really wanted to briefly mention is how mm. that kind of ties in again to this yeah. issue around value. Oh, it's, a, it's a brilliant point. I mean, yeah, the longer you can keep people, the better they are at doing their doing their role. You know, the more comfortable they are at telling you new and better ways of of doing the job as well. So I think, yeah, staff retention is is a massive one. Um, yeah, it's just huge. So, okay, so where to where to next on this this meandering journey through the paradigm? Yeah, uh, yes. Um, I I think one of the things um to talk about, and I think maybe some people are thinking about this and it feels like we're alluding to this um, is, is this element around just trusting your people, Mm. (laughs) you know, to be doing the right thing. Don't, don't, you know, not, don't put those systems in place like your individual KPIs that might be inhibiting your system from preventing people from doing their best work. Um, And, and, and by taking that out, the, I, I understand where people are coming from. Well, if we're, we're, if we're taking that out, how do we make sure that people are doing the right thing? Doesn't that going to lead to poor productivity if we, if we, it's just going to be chaos and people are all going to be doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And, and I think one of the important things to, so no, that's not, that's not what happens. Firstly, um, you'll be surprised at, at how many people actually want to come in and do an awesome job. Actually, when they come into work, there, there is a mindset of, Oh, people just want to get paid and do nothing. Maybe a small percentage of people. Sure. There will always be yeah. people like that, but it's the people that, but more, more than often than not, it's people that actually want to do something purposeful. And that comes back to purpose um, and, yeah. and want to do a good job in, in what they do. But I guess where, where you avoid poor behaviors is by creating mechanisms for feedback loops. Yeah. And this comes to transparency of work as well. So 
if we know, if we've got the transparency of information, if we have a regular feedback looping of the metrics that matter in your, in your team. So as we spoke about before, well, if we're not taking enough calls, well, we need to know how many calls are we missing? And the team uh -huh. needs to understand that so they can then sell, they can adjust themselves to address yeah. that. Yeah. Kind of referring back to self-organizing teams. So yeah. There, yeah. there's this thing around feedback loops as well. Or, and, and the example that I, I kind of had for um, around feedback loops um, was, um, I was working with a customer experience team where uh, they, they had transparency around their, um, in, in their teams about what, like who, how well or how many calls people were taking and they, and they could see all that. Um, yeah. And I remember there was a, a wonderful example of the, the individuals in the team, not the team leader, but individuals yeah. in the team holding each other accountable yeah. to actually saying, Hey, I, I've noticed yeah, yeah, you've been struggling in this area of handling X amount of calls. You know, how can I help you? And and the team and and that person actually put their hand up and said, "Hey, you know what? I I've I've been struggling a bit, you know, outside, yeah. and and it's been tough to actually uh, do, you know, my best at, uh, in the workplace." And the team was able to adjust and and actually solve through that. And I'll, I'll never forget that um, that sort of moment where there were. There were they were holding each other accountable to, uh, to the work. So letting teams self-regulate, I think, is a, is a crucial uh, element and, and one that, one that uh, I think needs to happen. Um, yeah. It wasn't a team leader's job. It was, it was a team that, that adjusted did that yeah that, that's made me think of a few things and I, i've seen that work really powerfully and it's not um you need to create the right environment for that psychological safety is really important so back to trust um but one of the things that people do think about and when they when you say shared kpis or removing productivity as a, as a metric so that that's all well and good we've got shared accountability everyone's driving towards the same goal but what what about if I have someone who's not, or there's a perception someone's not pulling their weight or, you know, how do I maintain individual responsibility and mm. accountability when everyone is measured, you know, as a team? And so it, it's a brilliant question because it is, um, it's, that's the reality, but again, it comes back to trust. You have to trust that everyone comes to, to work and wants to do a good job. And if someone is underperforming, if whatever, the, however you assess that, I think you have to focus on, and this is what where the where, you know, to, to bust this productivity paradigm requires a bit of a paradigm shift. Something for for some people in the way that they lead, that you should trust that your people want to come to work and do their best job. And your role then as leaders is to actually try to focus on the whole person, not just the person that comes in and is is productive in air quotes. You you should be focusing on well, you know, well, what else is it? rather than you're not being productive enough, are there other things that we can do to help you, um, you know, be your best when you come to work? So there, there are some changes as a, as a leader you'd need to make. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that example where, yeah, the, the team self-regulate and they, and it's not about making people feel bad or awkward or, you know, putting them under a spotlight unnecessarily. It's about people feeling like they can pull value from everyone else in the team. So I might be struggling, I might be able to ask Arnie how I, how does he, how does he 
close that particular sale or, you know, whatever it might be, um, you, you're then, you're kind of uncapping the potential within your team by, you know, harnessing the power of, you know, 10 or 12 people, however many you have, rather than it being, um, yeah, one person just on their own striving towards a, a productivity number. Um, the other thing it made me think of as well, when you're talking about um, incentives and, and talking about KPIs and stuff is um, there's a book called Drive by Dan Pink, and I'll put the link in the show notes. There's also a really cool uh, video that you can just watch if you don't want to read the book. And it's, and it's one of those cool videos where he's kind of drawing a, drawing a picture and you kind of that animates the stories you go through. So it's quite engaging, but um, in that book, he talks about three things, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And he, he talks about some really interesting stats on extrinsic motivators. So things outside of that individual drive, that sort of internal drive um, to try and motivate people to be more productive or to achieve more. And it's just, it's, it really does help to shift your mindset when he talks about above a certain point, it doesn't matter how much you pay someone or how much you incentivize them. At some point it actually has the reverse effect. It actually, people actually pr produce less. So again, just harping on again, the, the, the importance of, of purpose in, in helping people, you know, come in and do their, do, do their best work. Well, we are covering a fair bit of ground there and I think it is, it does feel like it's uh, a bit of a meandering wander through this, this Vanani, but I, but it's, I, I think we're, that we've pretty much covered most of the things that we wanted to cover there. What do you think? Is there anything left for you that you're thinking about? Um, I guess the way I kind of look at it, um, if there's anything to take away and it's a takeaway reference, uh, mm. here, uh, I, I look at it this way, right? Um, in the old world, productivity is kind of like, is, is kind of like how a restaurant works. You know, it's quite predictable. There's simple processes, especially for takeaway. Um, <laughs> through the order comes in from your waiter or from your, from, uh, from the uh, office, or, sorry, from the, the waitering staff and that, that gets passed over to the, the kitchen and the kitchen then has to cook the order and then it comes back and then someone brings that out to the customer and then the plates get cleaned and so forth, so forth. Right. It could, that's product, like you can use your traditional productivity measures to make that a more efficient process. You can look at all that, break that down, maybe put some measures in place for your waitering staff, your kitchen yeah. staff. It's a lot more simplistic, right? It's predictable. Yeah. But yeah, as we you're know... You're making the same meals. Same you're meals you're making the same meals, but that doesn't happen anymore. That's not like yeah. that. Your customer experience teams aren't doing that anymore. They're, yeah. they're handling complex inquiries that are unpredictable. Mm. The types of questions, you're not handling just 10 different questions. You're handling hundreds of questions. And, and the best way to understand whether you are handling a lot of questions is just by asking your teams, hey, how many different mm. types of calls do you take? <laughs> and they'll go, do you have a whole day for me to list out every type of call that we take, right? Um, so, so I think the, if there's anything to take away is the problem you're trying to solve is not productivity in your traditional measure. It's productivity in the new age and if that's the mm. case the solution for that is multifaceted and yeah that's kind of why we've we've gone into all sorts of different directions 
I think you're right. Uh, yeah, it's making me think about highly repeatable, um, reliable, reliable and repeatable processes and tasks lend themselves more to productivity measures. Hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. The modern the modern contact center trying to deliver an amazing customer experience is, is dealing with all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, you know, it's highly, highly unpredictable volume as well. In a lot of cases, very lumpy. And then, yeah, the more and more things that are automated and put into digital channels these days mean that um, the, the, the calls that come through are highly complex. So yeah, you need your people to be on their, on their, their A game, delivering their best and motivated, motivated by something higher than, higher than themselves, certainly higher than a productivity number. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's good, Arnie. And I think may have given us a snippet for the start of the show there with your restaurant analogy. So, uh, so well done. That's, that's very good. <laughs> we, we needed that. Um, we do. We do. Look, it's something we we're trying to do just to increase the production quality of, uh, of this podcast each time we do it. So something we're playing around a bit with. Um, all right. Well, shall we wrap things up then? Yes, absolutely. All right. So oh, one thing I will add, and for, for those still listening, hang on just for a little bit longer. The next podcast we want to do is, uh, is an ask us anything. So we are going to crowdsource from, from you guys, what you would like us to talk about. So we'll promote that. Um, through out through our subscribers and on LinkedIn as well, about how we gather your questions. But yeah, we've uh, it'll be number ten, I think, won't it? Number ten, tenth podcast. So Ten podcast milestone. Yeah, so we're going to celebrate it, and uh, we did want to do a live studio audience, um, <laughs> you know, down at uh, the art center or the uh, somewhere like that. But yeah, we can't because of because of everything that's going on. Otherwise, we totally would have. Yeah, would have been that's, thousands that's, of people there. That's the reason. Yep, <laughs> would, have been, would have been massive just to see for, uh, for doing it this way. But um, maybe the hundredth we'll do. We'll do down at the uh, convention center or something, Arnie. Ron we Laver. might use we might use this recording <laughs> and play that at the art center one day to the packed audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sell tickets. Well, people will travel from all over the world once they can again. <laughs> Okay. All right. right. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining me, Arnie. That was really good. Um, And we will see you next time. Yeah. See you later. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening. So there you have it, folks. Thanks for listening. Once again, we would love your rating. Think of it as your way to pay forward some goodness into the world. If you would like to explore more resources and tools to help you reinvent your contact center, check out our website at www.theagilecontactcenter.com.au. And until next time, stay agile.